All right. Hey, guys, good morning. Turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 this morning. Exodus chapter 20. In just a moment, we're going to read together verses 8 through 10. And today, it's just kind of a standalone where we are looking at the rhythms of summertime and how as we are now in summer fully and officially, and the heat will tell you that today, how do we live well in the summer? And so uh, if you've got your Bibles, wonderful. If not, you can follow along. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. And I will begin reading now. This is the word of the Lord as God given the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. And here is what the word says. Be mindful of the Sabbath day to make it sacred. For six days you can serve and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath for Yahweh your God. You will not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your servant or your handmaid, your animal or your resident who is in your community. And he goes on to talk about how the Sabbath is sacred and holy because it is the day that God has consecrated. It's the day that he has made holy. And that's what I want us to talk a little bit about this morning. I was having a conversation last week with Brooke Griffin, who Brooke works on staff with us here at First Baptist. And Brooke and I were having a conversation about uh, trying to do an event for our uh, volunteer team, just an event to say, hey, thank you for what you do at our church. And part of the conversation is when is the best time to do this event? When's the best time where you can get the most people involved and most people present? And, and as we were talking, Brooke said, well, you know how December, you know, you know how December is really busy. I'm like, yeah, of course I know December is really busy. And she goes, yeah. And you know how people say that May is the new December? Have you, have you guys heard that, that May is the new December? Okay. Because May is really busy as well. And then she said, because we were looking at August and she said, but I got to be honest with you. I feel like August is the new May. Because we stay really, really busy. And if you know what August and May and December are like, you know they are busy. But what you also know is that increasingly we are living in a world and in a culture where there isn't any downtime. Because we live in a world that talks, uh, puts the highest amount of value possible on busyness. We live in a culture that says you are successful if you are busy. I want you to stop and think about this for just a few moments. And actually, as you go throughout your week, I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention because all throughout the course of your week, you're going to have conversations with other people. I actually had it happen three times just this morning. As though that's something to be celebrated, right? We live in a world. We live in a culture and in a context that celebrates busyness. And if you are making it, if you are successful in the world, then you are undoubtedly and certainly going to be busy. Now, now look, y'all, the Bible the Bible, this book that we hold to be sacred and good and uh, a book we lean on to teach us and show us the way of God in the world. It is a countercultural narrative. It's a countercultural story. When you read throughout the Bible, what you read, like the culture we live in doesn't value mercy and forgiveness. And yet what scripture says and what Jesus teaches is that that is something we are called to do regularly. Scripture is filled with countercultural ideas, right? Love your enemy as you love yourself. That's a countercultural idea. And it is full, Scripture is, of these ideas on how we can live in a way that is different and better than the world around us. But what I want to suggest to you this morning is that I actually think Sabbath. Sabbath is one of the most countercultural things that you can possibly imagine. In a culture of busyness, 
We would do well to remember these words from Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. The New International Version just says it simply like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. By keeping it holy, the very word itself means to set it apart from the rhythms and the busyness of our lives. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it separate, distinct, unique, a day of rest for you. And it is probably, I actually think, really, one of the most countercultural ideas in the whole of Scripture to simply take a day where you remove yourself from the hustle and bustle of our existence and you simply pause and take a break. Why do we do that? Why does Scripture emphatically, not only in the Old Testament, but Jesus himself recommends Sabbath as a way of existence for us? And the reason why we hold this to be so central to following Jesus is that in the very act of creation itself, if you go all the way back into the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and everything that was, right? He creates the sky and the ocean and he creates uh, the birds and the fish and he creates human beings and he looks at all of it and he says it is very good. And in this beautiful and profound story, at the beginning, uh, look around at all he had done and said, look how good it really is. Think about that for a moment. Creation isn't complete until there is a period of rest. And part of what we believe as Christians is that we are created in the divine image. We are created to live into the fullness of who he has created us to be. And if creation isn't complete until there is Sabbath, what I want to suggest to us this morning is that if we want to be truly who God intends for us to be, then having a day of rest, having Sabbath, is absolutely essential to being who God intends for you to be. And in a world that values busyness more than anything else, this Sabbath is a countercultural counter and revolutionary way in the world. Now, I know some of you are here this morning, maybe some of you are watching online and you're like, I, I don't really ever think about Sabbath. It's kind of, honestly, y'all, it's a notion that has really kind of vanished from our culture uh, um, on the most part. But in fact, for some of us, if you do think about Sabbath at all, what you tend to think about are blue laws. Does anybody remember blue laws? Anybody? Yeah, blue laws, guys, these are, I, th these are laws that were enacted by states and by nations that essentially they restrict what you can reach, kind of their climactic space in the colonial states in America back in the day. There were blue laws that essentially said this, y'all. This is fantastic stuff. If you want to get a haircut, can't do it on Sunday. If you want to play cards, that is a no-no on a Sunday. If you want to kiss your spouse in public, you will go to jail if you do that on a Sunday, okay? So y'all be careful when you walk out of here today. The Sabbath was a day you could not dance, you could only play certain instruments because that was a day where we legislated there was nothing exciting and fun for you to do. Those laws reached their climax in colonial America. But I will tell you, like even back in like 2013 when I was still living in Gainesville, Georgia, it was one of those things where you could not buy alcohol on a Sunday morning. You couldn't buy alcohol on a Sunday at all. And blue laws, in fact, still do exist a little bit. If you've tried to go have a mimosa at brunch on Sunday before noon, and you've been told, uh-uh, I don't think so, that's blue laws. And so for most of us, 
For most of us, because Sabbath is something that's so foreign to our thought process outside of these kind of restrictive blue laws, what we think about when we think of Sabbath, instead of thinking about rest, here's what we tend to think about. We think of Sabbath as a list of things that you can't do. You can't do this thing. You can't do that thing. Guys, up until just a few years ago, the very thought of having a travel baseball or travel soccer game on a Sunday morning was absolutely insane. And that's what we think about when we think about blue laws. Not things that you can do, but we think of restrictive ways of being and restrictive thought patterns. Sabbath for so many of us is simply a list of things that you aren't able to do even if you wanted to. And what I want to suggest to us this morning is that as long as we think about Sabbath in that way, as long as we think about Sabbath as something, hey, I really want to do this, but doggone it, I'm not allowed to, then you are missing what is actually the point. Because if we understand the nature of what Sabbath truly is, remember, creation isn't complete until there is a period of rest. And you, as part of God's creation, cannot be complete unless there is a period of rest. And so Sabbath ultimately isn't about what you can't do, but it's about what you should and could be able to do if you were to observe it and understand it properly. And so what I want us to get this morning as we enter into the summer and hopefully for most of us, it's a period where life does slow down just a little bit. And maybe you will have time this summer to implement phases and days of rest in your life. Instead of thinking of Sabbath as something that you can't do, here's what I want to suggest to us this morning. That properly understood, Sabbath is an invitation to participate in a different way of being. Sabbath is an invitation to participate in a different way of being where you can begin to understand that instead of being a human doing, you are a human being. And you can stop for just a few moments and the world will continue to turn. That you can stop for just a few moments and relax and refresh your soul in the presence of God who loves you and you will be made better for it. In a world that values consumption and production and busyness over and above anything else, one of the most countercultural things we can do as followers of Jesus is to look around at that culture and say, we have a better way. And we are worth more than what we produce. See, friends, Sabbath isn't, isn't about what you can't do. But it's an invitation to live in an alternative way. And if you want to understand where this comes from, what you need to do is you need to go back and look at the book of Exodus. I read to you from Exodus chapter 20, which is where we get the Ten Commandments, right? When Moses goes up on the mountain and he comes back down, he's got those two plates that Charlton, Charlton Heston brings down in the movie, right? You remember that? But what happens before the Ten Commandments is why Sabbath is so important. Because if you go all the way back into Exodus chapter 5, here's what you find. That the Israelites, God's chosen people, they are slaves in Egypt. There had been a period where they were prosperous and they were growing and all was well, but that period had now come to an end. 
And for a number of years now, they had been slaves in Egypt, and they yearned more than anything else to be free. And so the story in Exodus said that they cried out, and God heard their cry. And he calls this man named Moses to go and lead the people out of slavery into freedom. And in Exodus chapter 5, Moses and Aaron, Moses' brother, they decide to go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, he rules with an iron fist, right? He is, the, he is personified as a god, in fact. And Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 5, and the story says that they go to him, and here's what they say. Would you let us go? Not let us go for all time, but here's what we want to propose. Just let us go out into the wilderness for three days. Let us go out into the wilderness for three days so that we could worship, so that we could rest, so that we could reflect on the nature of who we are. That is our request to you, Pharaoh. And in Exodus chapter 5, in this remarkable passage, Pharaoh looks at Moses. Pharaoh looks at Aaron, and he says, not only am I not going to let you leave for three days, but I'm going to increase your workload. I'm going to increase because they were making bricks to build pyramids and they were making bricks to build houses and establish the Egyptian infrastructure. They were slaves in this terrible land. And their request for a little bit of rest created in the image of God. We're designed to rest for just a few moments. And Pharaoh's reply is you will make more bricks. You will produce more You will make more with less. And they had been making these bricks with straw. And Pharaoh says, take that away. And now we're going to see how much rest you will get. No, the response, can we please get a little bit of rest? And the response they received was, you will make more bricks. Because the reality is, for those Israelites in Egypt... Their entire worth as human beings was bound up in what they could produce for the empire. You will make more because your worth is contingent upon what you do. You're not a human being. You're a human doing. And Pharaoh says, I'm about to make your life that much worse. And what we find in the book of Exodus as you go throughout the journey is that eventually the Israelites are freed and they get to go from slavery into newness of life as they cross the Red Sea and they sing and they dance and they celebrate and they receive the Ten Commandments. And it is no mistake, friends, that at the heart of the Ten Commandments, right there in the middle, If you want to know how to live well, that's what the Ten Commandments are. They're an invitation to live as God's people in the world. You'll have no other gods before me. You'll worship no other idols. And then right on the coattails of that, what do we find? But remember the Sabbath. Take a day of rest because you for far too long have been defined by what you produce And now you are finally able to take a step back and look around as God did when he created all things and declare that this thing is good. At the heart of living well is a recognition that we need a Sabbath, not only for our physical lives, but for the sake of our souls. Remember the Sabbath, God says to the Israelites, 
And in the book of Deuteronomy, he goes even further. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because you, you remember what it was like to be slaves in Egypt. You remember what it was like to be defined by what you produce. And so in Exodus chapter 20, you're not going to work. Your, your, your servants aren't going to work. Your children aren't going to work. Nothing is going to happen on this day except you relaxing and refreshing and worshiping in the presence of a good and holy God. Creation is not complete until there is Sabbath rest. And we cannot be complete as human beings until there is a day of rest for us and for our souls. Friends, this is at the heart of what it means to live well in this world. And I want to pause for just a minute because it is one thing to talk about an ancient tribe that lived thousands of years ago. But if we are going to be honest with ourselves, and this is not easy to do, but if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we are far more, we are far more like those Israelites than we would ever care to admit. And here's what I mean. In the same way that their value, their worth was completely tied up in what they produce. And if you do not know this about the culture we live in, I'm here to tell you, this is not a statement of subjectivity. This is an objective fact. In the United States of America in 2023, the reason we are so much like those Israelites in Egypt is that we are defined by how much we produce. We are defined by how much we produce. Hey, how are you doing? I'm busy. I had someone tell me the other day they need a vacation from their vacation. Think about this for a minute, y'all. We work and we work and we grind and we grind just so that we can have enough money to go and take a break so that we can come back and do the grind all over again. How does this make sense? We are defined absolutely defined by what we produce. Think about this for just a minute. When we send our children off to college, when we send our children off to college, what is the thing we encourage them to do? Not get a job that lives into their passion, but to get a job that will help them do what? Make money. I'll never forget when I told my dad, dad, I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to be a preacher when I grow up. And he looked at me. I'll never forget it. And he said, Will, how are you going to make money? And I said, I don't know, dad. I'm going to marry a dentist, I guess. <laughs> We're defined by how much we produce. We're, we're defined by how busy we are. Think about it. If you have young children in this room today, if you have young children and you're watching online, Think about how busy you are. And the narrative is, unless I do soccer and basketball and travel baseball and this and that and the other, then I am failing my kids. And the mark of success for a parent is making sure your child is busy and has access to every single thing imaginable. Make no mistake about it, friends. We live in a culture where we are defined by how much we produce. I was reading a study in a U.S. health magazine recently that said that three in five Americans, three in five Americans are more exhausted and more tired than they have ever been before. 
And there are a number of reasons we can chalk that up to, but one of the reasons that is laid out in that article is that we are constantly and always grinding and working. There is no season of rest in our lives. You've all heard of the great resignation where people are just in mass quitting their jobs because they're recognizing the rat race that we have been living on and, and, and the culture and the systems that tell us that you will be happy if you can get this and if you want to get that, then you've got to work more. People are realizing that is a lie. And I don't know about you, but I see friends in ministry, in my own work, who are quitting left and right because they are exhausted because we live in a world that values busyness. And one of the most revolutionary things we can do as followers of Jesus Christ is to proclaim that beautiful good news gospel that says you are not defined by what you produce, but you are defined by being a child of God. You are not defined by how busy you are, but you are defined by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And it is okay for us to take a step back and rest our souls. Some of us need to know there is a God and you're not it. And if you can take a break for just a day, you can recognize that. Some of us need to know that you actually can put down your iPhone and not answer emails and text messages. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but the world will continue to turn. I swear. If you want to live into the fullness of who God has created you to be, Please hear me say this. It is essential that we develop the habits and the rhythms of Sabbath in our lives. And so ultimately, friends, this is a practical exercise because every single one of us has rhythms in our lives. Every single one of us, I hope, I hope that you would be able, if asked, to sit down and make an account for how you live your days. And if, as Jesus tells us is true, you want to live into the fullness of your being, then Sabbath is essential, then I have a question for you. And it's the only question that matters this morning. Where do you find your rest? I'm serious. Where do you find your rest? And if some of us are here this morning and we're willing to be honest with ourselves, what we would be... Uh, uh, have to say, what we would have to admit is that just like those three and five Americans, we're exhausted. We're exhausted and our rest is nowhere to be found. Some of us are here this morning and we're making more money than we ever imagined and we're having more success than we ever dreamed possible. And yet, if we are willing to be honest, where do we find our rest? The answer is nowhere. And please understand this morning that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. That you were created in the image of God, designed to flourish and to thrive and to have joy in this world. And if you want it, you have to recognize that we have been told a lie by the world around us. And just like those ancient Israelites knew, they're not defined by what they produce. They're defined by God. I want us to know this morning that you are not defined by what you produce. And you can, in fact, have a rest that will replenish your soul. And if you want to know how to have it, the words come from Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 11, when he's talking to his disciples, and, and, and they're talking about how to live and live well, and there's this remarkable passage where Jesus looks to them, but he also looks to us. And don't ever forget this. Some of the most profound words in the whole of the story, he says, come to me. 
all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Come to me, he says, and I'll show you the better way forward. Come to me and you can have rest. What I want us to know this morning, friends, is that we find who we are in Jesus. And we find our rest in him. And so in just a few moments, we're going to come to the table and we're going to take communion together. His body broken and his blood poured out. And as you come forward to receive, what I want you to do is to ask yourself that deep question. Where do I find my rest? And I want you to know as you take those elements today, his body, his blood, you can find your rest in him. Because you were created for more. You were created for rest, for Sabbath. So may we find that in him on this day. I'm going to invite those who are going to be serving communion to go ahead and come forward and take your place. And as they do, as we enter into this time together, I want to invite you to just take a moment and join me as we pray together. Let's pray. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for this time, for your goodness. And God, let's be real. And if there's anyone we can be honest and real with, it is you. That God, for all of us here in this room, we live in a culture that tells us our worth is bound up in what we produce. So God, this morning, help us to break that illusion. Help us to see that we can be set free to live in a new and more beautiful way. So God, be with us. Help us to know this morning that our worth is found not in what we produce, but it is found in Jesus. So may we take his body, may we take his blood, may we find our rest in him. God, we are grateful. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.